The Westminster Confession of Faith was first published in 1646. It was the result of the hard work done by a group of men called the Westminster Divines. Their goal was to outline what they believed the Scriptures principally taught. And it has been said that the Church of Christ cannot be creedless and live. Thankfully, the Westminster Confession of Faith has been the creed of the Reformed Church for almost 400 years. This podcast seeks to point you to Christ, to help you navigate the Westminster Confession of Faith, and to see you understand what you believe and why you believe it. Welcome to This We Confess. Westminster Confession of Faith, Chapter 12, of Adoption All those that are justified, God vouchsafeth in and for his only Son Jesus Christ to make partakers of the grace of adoption, by which they are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God, have his name put upon them, receive the spirit of adoption, have access to the throne of grace with boldness, are enabled to cry, Abba, Father, are pitied, protected, provided for and chastened by him as a father, yet never cast off, but sealed to the day of redemption and inherit the promises as heirs of everlasting salvation. Those of us of a certain age grew up understanding The making your way in the world today takes everything you've got, and taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? See, sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name, and they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. I will spare you the rest of that song, but of course it is the theme tune from the 80s classic show, Cheers, where men and women of all ages and stages would go to a bar in Boston and enjoy friendship with their buddies and their pals. Well, as we look at chapter 12 of the confession today, we have something greater than a place downtown to hang out with our friends. As we discovered last time out, justification is a forensic act. God himself has declared us to be righteous in his sight, not by anything done in us or by us, but because we have trusted in Christ and his active and passive obedience is credited to us, we are declared righteous. However, for some, they consider this and believe God the Father has declared us righteous in a cold and unloving way. Justification is this forensic act and we don't really get ourselves too warm about it. But if that is what we believe, then chapter 12 comes and speaks tenderly to us. Chapter 12 is entitled, Of Adoption. It is simply one paragraph, a short paragraph, but it is one of truth and one of delight for the Christian. Yes, we are justified, but we are also adopted, adopted into the family of God. The paragraph begins by stating, All those that are justified... God vouchsafeth in and for his only Son, Jesus Christ, to make partakers of the grace of adoption. Simply put, this opening line tells us that God vouchsafeth, or he graciously grants us, 
in and for Christ to become part of his family. He makes us partakers of the grace of adoption. Ephesians 1 and verse 5 tells us that God predestined us for adoption to himself as sons through Jesus Christ according to the purpose of his will. So our justification is not this cold, distant, remote theological construct. God has declared us righteous and he has not left us standing outside in the cold. In Christ and for Christ he has made us partakers of the grace of adoption. As the divines continue, they tell us that we are taken into the number and enjoy the liberties and privileges of the children of God. We are taken into the family of God. It is as we read in John's Gospel in chapter 1 and verse 12, To all who did receive Jesus, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. Justification always leads to adoption. We become God's children. We are welcomed into his family, part of the number. And we enjoy the liberties, the freedoms, the privileges of being part of the children of God. Paul says this exact thing in Galatians 4 and verse 4. When the fullness of time had come, God sent forth his son, born of woman, born under the law, verse 5, to redeem those who were under the law so that we might receive adoption as sons. And again in Romans 8 and verse 17, we are children, we hear, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. And so the Westminster Divines tell us here that God has justified us, and that justification always leads to us being made partakers of the grace of adoption. It is in Christ through faith in him and it is for Christ and his glory. We are taken into the number of the children of God and we enjoy all the liberties and privileges that go with that status. Pause for a little moment. Today as you listen to this podcast you will have a surname. It is a surname that you will carry with you whether you like it or not. Some of you are very very proud of that name. Some of you love your mother and father. You think about them all the time. They have long gone to glory, but they make you incredibly happy as you reminisce about the days gone past. You're glad to carry the name of the family that you grew up in. But some of you do not have that experience. For some of you, you despised your father. He was a bitter and vindictive and violent drunk of a man. You do not remember any moment that he reached out to you in love. Your mother was always absent. She didn't seem to be able to love you in any real way. She didn't seem to want you. Today your heart still breaks about the mess that your family is in. And today as you consider those friends who have a wonderful family background, well you cannot agree with them because yours, quite simply, was awful. Regardless of the nature and status of our earthly families, Here we read about the tremendous grace and privilege that is ours in Christ. We have been adopted into the family of God. And certainly if our experience in our earthly family was poor, then our experience in our heavenly family will be the complete opposite. God has justified us. And in Christ and for Christ, he has made us partakers of the grace of adoption. We are brought into the number of God's family. We enjoy the liberties and the privileges of God's children. And as the divines continue, he puts his name upon us. 
My name is Scott Woodburn. I'm told that I was named after my grandmother. I was supposed to be a girl. My late grandmother was called Sarah Ann Pressure. And so I was to be Sarah Ann Woodburn. Instead, I was a boy. And instead of being called Sarah Ann, a bit like a boy named Sue, I got my granny's initials, Scott Andrew. And I carry my father's surname, Woodburn. I believe it means the one who dwells beside the brook. This is my name. This is who I am. This is what I'm about. But today I bear the name of Christ upon my life. I am a saved man. I am someone who has trusted in Jesus and therefore God has put his name upon me. And this very same truth is true for you. If you are Christ's, then you are part of his family and his name rests upon you. In 2 Corinthians 6 and verse 18, the Lord says, I will be a father to you and you shall be my sons and daughters to me, says the Lord Almighty. And in Revelation 3 and verse 12, we read that the one who conquers, I will make him a pillar in the temple of my God. Never shall he go out of it, and I will write on him the name of my God, and the name of the city of my God, the new Jerusalem, which comes down from my God out of heaven, and my own new name. We are called by the Lord's name, we read in Jeremiah 14 and verse 9, Therefore, Lord, do not leave us. My brothers and sisters, today, through faith in Jesus, God's name is upon us. And this speaks to his ownership of us. This speaks to his adoption of us into his family. And sometimes on earth you will hear that you are a disgrace to the name that you carry. You're no son or no daughter of mine. But here in the family of faith, the family of God, his name is put upon us and it is a name that he will never ever remove. He has written his name on us and we have received the spirit of adoption. As Paul says in Romans 8 and 15, we did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but we have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. We have received the gift of the Holy Spirit. He dwells within us, the third person of the Trinity. We are told that he prays for us, he grows us up in the faith, he leads us into all truth. And here he enables us to cry out to our Heavenly Father, Abba, Father. It is a cry of intimacy with the Lord and it is repeated by Paul in Galatians 4 and verse 6. Because you are sons, God has sent the Spirit of his Son into our hearts crying, Abba, Father. Here is the relationship that we have with Almighty God. Yes, he has declared us to be righteous. He has justified us. But if we believe that the relationship is the one that exists between someone standing in a courtroom and his or her judge, it is as impersonal as that, then we are wrong. The relationship that we have with the Lord is, yes indeed, that he has declared us righteous, but he has given us the spirit of adoption, the Holy Spirit in our hearts, who enables us to cry out in this gentle and tender way, Abba, Father. And just as we can call the Lord our Father, just as we can cry out, Abba, so we have access to the throne of grace, not with trepidation or fear, 
but as the divine's right, with boldness. Paul says in Ephesians 3 and verse 12, In Christ we have boldness and access with confidence through our faith in him. That is not to say, of course, that we approach the Lord lightly. That is not to say that we treat him as if he is a sort of lucky charm sitting on our shelf, a lamp that we rub a couple of times a year to get three wishes. That's not it at all. But when we do approach him, when we come before his throne of grace, we can approach with boldness and access and confidence because we have trusted Christ. Our standing with God is dependent upon Christ. It is in Christ that we have been declared righteous and it is in Christ that we can come to the throne of grace with boldness. Not as servants of the Lord, not as slaves of the Lord, not as people with our fingers crossed behind our back, but as part of the number, the family of God, the children of God, the sons and daughters of God who have obtained access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in hope of the glory of God. Romans 5 and verse 2. What a joy it is to be part of the family of God. What a joy it is to be a Christian, not just being a member of a local church, Not just being someone who once put their hand in the air at a meeting and was saved and that's as good as it gets. But by faith in Christ and the working of the Holy Spirit, we have been drawn and numbered as part of the family of God. Today we can cry out, Abba, Father. Today we can approach the throne of grace with boldness. Today we can be confident in our standing before Almighty God. And why? Because of our elder brother, Jesus Christ, our Lord, the first fruits of the resurrection, the one who laid down his life for our sake, and the one who, if we have trusted in him, then we can stand before a holy and righteous God. My friends, the Lord loves us. The Lord cares for us. And indeed, the three Ps that come next show us his care and provision for us. The Westminster Divines tell us that as his children we are pitied, we are protected, and we are provided for. The Lord looks after his family. He pities us. He knows what we are like. As we read in Psalm 103 and verse 13, As a father shows compassion to his children, so the Lord shows compassion to those who fear him. The Lord pities us and is compassionate towards us. And not only that, but he protects us. As we read in Proverbs 14 and verse 26, In the fear of the Lord one has strong confidence, and his children will have a refuge. We have trusted the Lord. We fear the Lord. That fear that seeks to please him in this life as children seek to please their father. And in response, the Lord will always offer us a refuge. He will always be our place of protection and security. He pities us, protects us, and he provides for us. In Matthew's Gospel, in chapter 6 and verse 30 to 32, the Lord Jesus Christ tells us, If God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow is thrown into the oven, will he not much more clothe you? O you of little faith, 
Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat? What shall we drink? What shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after all of these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. The Lord provides. We struggle to believe this. We, every day, no doubt, seek to take things into our own hands, and we go and we work and we strive and we are busy about life and all the things that are brought with it. There's no shame in this, of course. But deep down, the Christian's baseline is that he or she knows that the Lord will provide for us. He pities us, protects us, provides for us. And therefore, in response, as Peter says in his first letter, chapter 5, verse 7, we are to cast all our anxieties on him. Why? Because he cares for us. Here is what it is to be adopted into the family of God as sons and daughters of the king. However, as we said last time out, sometimes children will fall into sin. And although we can never be cast off as the Westminster Divines write here in this paragraph, sometimes we will be chastened by the Lord, disciplined by him. Paul writes in Hebrews 12 and 6 exactly this, The Lord disciplines the one he loves. And he chastises every son whom he receives. And so the Lord's disciplining and chastisement that sometimes he brings to bear on our lives is not because he is angry and wrath-filled and vengeful and removing us from his saving purposes, but he disciplines us and chastises us because he loves us and has received us into his family. And if today you feel the chastisement and discipline of the Lord, and perhaps it feels like too great a weight for you to bear, we read in Lamentations 3 and verse 31, The Lord will not cast us off forever. The Lord will not cast us off forever. Here is what it is to be a child of God. Loved and accepted and provided for and pitied and protected and enabled to come with access to the throne of grace. And sometimes, yes, chastened and disciplined because the Lord loves us. But ultimately, today, tomorrow and forever, the child of God will never be cast out of his sight. Instead, as this paragraph ends, the divines tell us that you and I, through faith in Jesus will be sealed to the day of redemption. Yes, we may go through times and periods of disciplining and chastisement, but we are sealed, and one day we will stand in the resurrection, confident in Christ, and we have been sealed for that day. Paul tells us in Ephesians 4 and verse 30, Do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. And so as part of God's family, we know that we will inherit the promises of God. Paul says in Hebrews 6 and 12, we may not be sluggish, but instead imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. We are waiting in the here and now. Life sometimes is hard and and difficult and long and sore and troublesome. But we know we have been declared righteous by God. We have trusted in Christ. And therefore, we have been adopted into God's family, sealed to the day of redemption. We will inherit all that has been promised to us because you and I, by faith, 
are heirs of everlasting salvation. Peter writes in his first letter, chapter 1, 3 and 4, Blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. According to his great mercy, he has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to an inheritance that is imperishable, undefiled and unfading, kept in heaven for you. Friends, a glorious salvation and eternity awaits for the children and family of God. We will inherit salvation. We will stand in the judgment. We will sing with choirs of angels throughout the eternal ages. And this has all been accomplished for us by Christ. Through faith in Jesus, we are justified and we are adopted. And so today, with all your earthly baggage, with the bitterness you hold towards your earthly father, with the times you believe that no one knows your name, no one cares, no one would notice if you just slipped through the cracks and were never to reappear, with all of that sometimes resting heavy upon us. Take some moments today to read this wonderful paragraph. Follow it up, of course, by getting into the supreme standard, the Word of God. Follow up all the Bible passages that I've read today in this paragraph. And know, child of God, that no matter the size of your faith today, no matter if you are going through days of discipline and chastisement, no matter if you are really struggling to believe these promises, in and for Christ Jesus, God has promised to make you a partaker of the grace of adoption. My brothers and sisters, welcome home. As always today, some questions for you to consider. Question 1. Justification seems cold, but according to this paragraph, what does it always lead to? Question 2. What does adoption enable us to call God? Question 3. Why is our access to the throne of grace marked with boldness? Question 4. What are the three P's outlined here by the Westminster Divines in relation to adoption and what do they mean? Question 5. What always drives the Lord's disciplining and chastisement of his children? And question 6. Why can we be confident that we will never be cast off according to the final words of this paragraph. That's all for today. As always, my name is Scott Woodburn, and until next time, this we confess. (laughs) 